The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 21st chapter. When some were speaking about the temple, it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, as these things that you see, the days will come when, you, when not one stone will be left upon another, all will be thrown down. They asked him, teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. And he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places, famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from the heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify, so make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends. They will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The Gospel of the Lord. The sky is falling. I didn't say that. No, the sky is falling. <laughs> You're not buying that. I can remember going to amusement parks occasionally, and I maybe wasn't the most courageous kid, but getting on one of those really fast, scary rides, and when you're on it, you know, like, can I get off? <laughs> Too late. Although I do remember occasionally there were some of those and maybe the carnival ones where someone would be like, no, really, stop the ride. <laughs> I want to get off. And they would stop the ride. I can remember back in my college years, I loved a contemporary Christian artist named Randy Stonehill. He had a great song called, Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. Back then, you know, 30 plus years ago, things in the world seem to be so bad, you just want to stop and get off. Well, as we draw to, near to another church year in our lectionary cycle, Christ the King Sunday coming up, and then we begin a new year with Advent our lectionary readings also move us to the end, 
to the apocalypse, to eschatology. Say that word with me, eschatology. Eschaton, the endology, study of what is Jesus' eschatology, what is our eschatology, what do we think about when we think about the culmination of all things. And so we hear today from the Gospel of Luke and Jesus' what we call the little apocalypse. Little because apocalypse means revelation. You know about the revelation of John, the last book in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, not revelations, but revelation, the revelation of John. Well, this is Jesus' little apocalypse. He's talking about the return of the Son of Man and the great day of the Lord like you heard in our Old Testament reading today. Jesus clearly was one who had an imminent expectation of God's intervention in the world. This is very in line with Jewish apocalyptic thought. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, the community of Qumran, and we, for many other rabbinical writings, there was a belief that, that this world was really, really, really messed up in control of evil forces and powers, but God would soon intervene. And it would seem that Jesus understands his own mission of coming into the world as part of that intervention. But Jesus still talks about a final intervention, and that was very much in line with Jewish apocalyptic thought. And so Jesus talks about what will happen and when it will happen and what it will be like and the persecutions and the struggles and the wars and the famines. That was 2,000 years ago. What do those words of Jesus, his little apocalypse, as the writer of Luke brings it to us, what does that have to say to us today? We don't live in the apocalyptic mindset anymore, do we? We don't have any of that. Have you looked at Netflix recently? Or... Any of the movies? Apocalyptic thought is everywhere. What is it? A meteor's coming? It's going to hit in the ocean and obliterate the earth? It could happen. I mean, it could be. We don't know. In fact, it would seem like in the secular realm, there's all kind of apocalyptic thought. Earthquakes, famines, the movies... Talk about the end of the world. There's legitimate things that make us fearful and scared. I'm quite concerned about climate change. Will the world be irreversibly destroyed in another 12 years if we don't do something? I don't know. Apocalyptic preachers are out there. There's we get the wrong person, these leaders in our world. Oh my goodness, the world is going to come to an end. <laughs> we live in the nuclear age, even though we're used to it. That's quite scary to me. I brought up the Russian missile crisis in man of Bible study, and man, it was amazing to hear the stories of what it was like back then. It was just as real as if it had happened yesterday. 
to that generation. I think I was still in the crib or something like that, but I don't remember. So what does Jesus' words about the coming of the great day of the Lord, this apocalyptic preaching, what does that have to do with us today? Well, it does seem like we still live in a kind of sometimes doomsday context. In fact, the Pew Research Center um, has shown that the millennial generation that's now into adulthood, only 37% of those in the United States believe or are confident in our country's future. Now, the irony of this is that they compared that to other generations that are older, like my generation, what we thought when we were that age. And guess what? It wasn't that different. You think that the older you get, the more pessimistic you get. But that's not what the research shows. Like 60% today of people in um, the 60s, 70s-year-olds are relatively optimistic about this country. Maybe because they don't have much to go. I don't know. (laughs) But it's interesting. We do know that the millennial generation economically is way less confident that they're going to have a standard of living or whatever um, that their parents have. We've seen that in studies. There's lots of pessimism in the world, and it's not all unfounded. I'm quite concerned about all the things that I've brought up today already. What do Jesus' words have to offer to us in this kind of world? Because it seems like there's two things that happen in this apocalyptic um, milieu that we live in. You either get freaked out and scared to death and live in panic every day. I mean, you know, it's kind of like being, staying up all night worried because you know you're not getting enough sleep. Or we withdraw and throw in the towel. Just say, oh, the world's messed up, forget it. I'm just going to take care of my own and myself, and I'm done. You either live in complete... So can we find some place in the middle? Maybe Jesus' words will help us here. It's interesting, when you look at what Jesus says in this little apocalyptic word in this chapter, actually... He talks about the end, but he talks about it in such a way to focus on the present. The question is not what persecutions reveal about the end, but what they mean for life now. In fact, Jesus says, don't be terrified. Don't go to that terrified, freaked out space. And he actually gives us a totally different frame to view all the hardships and all the problems and all the persecutions and all the challenges. He gives us a totally different frame than what we would think of. Jesus, his words are focused on comfort and the present more than on fear and the future. So how do we look at adversity according to Jesus when he talks about what's going to happen before the great day of the Lord? How do we look at it? I just was blown away when I 
this, this phrase leaped off the page at me. In this passage, the persecution and sufferings of Jesus' followers are presented as the fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy. They are meaningful because they are to be expected, that is, these persecutions, in a world where God's reign is contested. But they are not proof of the immediate end. Jesus says, hey, when you see all this happening, don't freak out. The end is not near. The end, it isn't yet. It might be near, but it's not yet. Let me just be really clear. Anytime you hear anybody talking about the second coming of Christ and they get really specific of when, shut it off. And I know I've joked about this in the past for two reasons. If they got it right, Jesus said it's going to be a surprise. So if they got it right, he's going to say, oh, I guess I'll have to wait longer because I was going to surprise them. So just tell them to stop. But two, Jesus isn't focused on the when. He's focused on the now. And in fact, he says all these struggles that you're experiencing, they will give you opportunity to testify, to witness. Marturion is the word in Greek where we get the word martyr. (laughs) Because oftentimes people that witnessed did lose their lives. But for us today, what if we look at all the adversity, all the fear-mongering, all the scared, the scared words out there, all the troubling things, all the persecutions maybe we feel, and say, wow, this is cool. This gives me an opportunity to witness. Will you help me with that? Because <laughs> I have a hard time doing that. I don't go there automatically, but boy, Jesus' words just hit right to my heart. I don't get to throw up my hands. I also don't have to freak out in fear. Jesus says, hey, you got opposition? Good. That gives you opportunity to witness. So let's talk just briefly about how we witness today. I saw it happen lots of times this week already. I heard about conversations where people were listening to each other when the person that was talking was sharing their pain and struggle their worries their concerns there was listening there was care and support going on that's a way we testify because when we do that we show we care and we have compassion and we show god is good and god loves us and so i'm going to listen i'm going to be present I heard some stories this week about people who were engaging in their occupation in very difficult situations, but they were trying to do it with integrity and care and love and honesty. They were, not, they were fighting to not get swept up into this sea of, of, of hostility and negativity and, and backbiting and you know, this type of thing, and they were just struggling to you know, put the actions of someone else in the best of lives. That's testifying. The letter of John says that we are not to just love in word, but also in deed. You see, we testify not just with our words, but with our actions and what we do each and every day when we love our spouse, when we love our kids. When we're engaged in the world, we we are testifying. So yeah, does it look bad? It's always looked bad. A thousand years ago, people thought the world was going to end. You know why? A new weapon was invented. You know what it is? Gunpowder is surely going to destroy the world. It was over. 
Martin Luther thought, you know, the world is going to end. Look at all the horrible things. It's, and it could. I don't know. Be ready. Be in Christ. But take heart. This is an opportunity for you to testify. But yes, in word, you need to say something. You need to say, well, I know that God is ultimately in control and this world is not going to H-E double toothpicks. It's going to God. And so I'm going to stay engaged. I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep proclaiming God's love in Christ Jesus. I'm going to keep not returning evil for evil. I'm not going to get swept up into that. I'm not going to get pulled into that. I'm not going to respond with evil when I get evil done to me. That's, I'm going to stay in the fight, and I'm going to proclaim and testify to God's love in Christ Jesus because God has done something. When I mentioned that Jesus said he thought that his life was a part of God's ultimate intervention as he talks about the second coming and the great day of the Lord, I meant it. And what happens is that Jesus is put to death And God raises him up from the dead to proclaim to all of us, to the whole world, that no matter how bad it is, God will destroy death and God in the end will make all things right when Christ comes again. And we live in this in-between time, but we live with the promise. Because you could say, Pastor Bill, you're just talking about a bunch of pie in the sky, nice things. No, I'm talking about Christ is risen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. That's why I can tell you what I'm telling you today. The meal, the forgiveness, the love, the grace he gives us now gives us a promise that we cannot be separated from his love in Christ Jesus. So keep on keeping on. Stay in the fight. God will make it right. Amen.